one. Hello, everyone. It's about just before 7 o'clock on Saturday evening. I want to come to you with a podcast right now. Um, I'm going to take you through the next couple podcasts, and I'm going to walk you through Ephesians, and I'm going to do it verse by verse because there's something we need to understand from Paul's writing to the Ephesians that I think will shed some light on some things that um, we just as a people need to understand. I want to welcome my podcasters. I want to welcome Facebook, YouTube, Lift Him Higher Radio, and all those on Mike Springston uh, Ministries FFC podcast. I want you to remember you can contact me at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, fcma.org, with your family fellowship chapel direct messaging. I want to have a word of prayer. Then we're going to walk through verse by verse the book of Ephesians. Father, I pray that you'll open our eyes that we could see and our ears that we can hear what the Word of God says to us. Jesus, I ask you to speak to your people. Show us what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. We'll receive it. We'll release it to your people. And by receiving it and releasing it, we'll be corrected, changed, transformed into the image of your dear Son. I ask you to minister in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Now, I'm not going to read each verse. I'm going to tell you what is in that verse that you need to know as Paul is speaking to the Ephesians. Now, in Acts 19... Uh, The Ephesians, a group of Ephesians, were baptized in the Holy Ghost. The Ephesians were Gentiles who were operating, coming out of idolatry. And they needed to be totally, thoroughly taught the Word of God. They had to have from A to Z all of the teaching that was required for them to come in to know Jesus Christ and to understand how he functioned and operated the church. So Paul begins in in verse 1 of chapter 1 by telling them, you are chosen. Just like the Gentiles, you are chosen. Then he tells them, that just as much as more or less as the Gentiles are the chosen people of God, you are predestined. And that predestination has brought you unto being the adoption of children. This makes you accepted in the beloved because you were redeemed through the blood for the forgiveness of sins. This forgiveness produced in you a wisdom and a prudence or a cautiousness. We were given, these Ephesians, Paul said, were given the mystery of his will and exactly what 
that will was purposed in us to do. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may given to you. Now watch. They were given the Spirit, a Spirit. That Spirit is powerful. It was the Spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of Him. They were provided a Spirit because of the blood, because of wisdom, because of being chosen, where they were able to come in to a revelation of the purpose of what God was doing in them. Then he says that they would by this revelation of knowledge and wisdom have their eyes enlightened. In other words, they were going to be well informed and well taught. They were going to be able to be so well informed that they would know what their calling was what their glory was to be, and what their inheritance was. See, Paul is teaching Ephesus all of the ins and outs. Then he says to them, not only are you going to receive all of this, but you are going to receive an exceeding great power. That Power, Paul says, is going to be a power that is the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead and that translated him until he was seated at the right hand of God. What promises he's given to Ephesus. What a wonderful word he's giving to Ephesus. Then he says it is that power that is being, your mind, your vision is being open to, you're going to be well informed about, it's going to be an equal power that raised Jesus from the dead, and it is in that power that you can come to, be adopted into, be chosen by, walk in wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. All of him who was raised by this power. And in having that power, that power is going to be over every other power, over every other ability, over every other dominion, and even over every name that is named, not only in this world that you live, but in the worlds that are to come. What a powerful message Paul is preaching to the church at Ephesus. And he's telling them about this wonderful power that was coming to them. And it was the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Then he says, in bringing all of this power under his feet, he is now the head, not only over that power, but over the church. So the church now is filled with himself. What 
was it that raised him from the dead? Well, it was the power of the Holy Spirit. So the church has the opportunity to live in the power of Christ that is over every dominion, might, and power, every name that has a name, and to operate from the same power that Jesus operated from. And when we get there, we will have every ounce of everything we could ever, ever need to succeed in a world that is filled with all of the powers and might and names and rulers of which he overcame so that he to the church could give us the power to be able to overcome everything and anything of which he had encountered and plundered. Wow! What a wonderful chapter! So we go to chapter 2. In chapter 2, the Word of God says that you were made, you believer, you follower of Christ, you were made to be alive. And the making of your being alive was done by the power that rose Jesus from the dead. He brought you out of every trespass, out of every sin. My friend, this all constituted the work that was done in the cross. Then, he says, remember where you came from. He said, before you met this power of God that was working towards you, that was producing Christ as your head and you as a member of the body of the church of which he is all in all. Don't ever forget this. You walked according to the course or the actions of this world. Now what's he saying there? Is he saying that when Jesus overcame all of these principalities and powers that those principalities and powers were no more? Well, absolutely not. He's identifying them as what is in the world. That course, he says, was set in your spirit, soul, and body. It was set in action by the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself. He is the one who is working as a spirit. What spirit is that? Well, it's the spirit of disobedience. Who's it working in? Those children who are doing disobedient things. Ah, then he goes in verse 3 and says, Your conversation of which you have lived under and which you did by the course of the world of disobedience, that conversation was full of the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the mind. Why would that be? Because you were operating from a nature of one who was a member of the children of wrath or the children of Satan, even as others do. So that tells me that what was going on outside of the believer 
is still going on in the world and it still must be contended with. But God loved us with mercy. His merciful love was dedicated to us in Christ Jesus. Christ who was also made alive from the putting upon of sin so that he could be made, we could be made alive with him. I want to say this, Christ was made sin to be like us. He died. He went to the tomb. He was resurrected. When he was resurrected, he was made the righteousness of God so that we could also be made the righteousness of God and being made the righteousness of God could gain access by truth to cross the bridge of grace to take our righteousness and become citizens of the kingdom of his dear son. Now many people don't want to understand that, don't want to believe it. But if you go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, and you study the scripture that we all use whenever we're leading people to Christ, you're going to find that the, the belief in the resurrection is the foundational principle of being saved. The foundational principle. So to say we can come another way is not true. Because the foundational principle of the resurrection delivers, verse 10, the righteousness that is in your heart. So Paul is saying here now that God is merciful. He loved us in Christ. And Christ put on sin so that we could put on righteousness. How do we do it? Grace. That means that Christ, who is grace and came with grace, provided our opportunity to come into his righteousness. Now, friend, we can cut this pie any way we want to. You can live your life any way you want to. You can believe anything you want to. Or you can believe the word of God. It's your choice. You, you don't have to believe the word of God. You can do what Ecclesiastes 10 and 2 does. You can live with a right heart and have your heart operating on the right side or you can live on the left and be a fool. Now think about that. You can live on the right and have your heart in a position that God would say there is a wise man. Or you can live your life over here in a woke world on the left and God calls you a fool. Why? Well, because your heart is not in the right place. Now, verse 6, once we were raised, and, and listen to what he said, and have raised us up together. So we all had to come through this resurrection. We all had to come by the way of the means of the heart of belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ because that is the only mechanism God ever declared by which we could become the righteousness of God. Once we were raised or delivered with Christ, we were made to be seated with Him. Not at any time, now listen to what I'm about to say, prior to our identification with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not at any time, 
did we ever receive any of the positioning that gave us power over principalities, powers, rulers of darkness in high places, any of that. Not one time. Until we come into his righteousness, we have not obtained the ability to live in authority over anything that is in the spiritual world. Now we know why people are under attack. Because we are trying to live for Christ without coming through the correct mechanism. And we often, I think, see it as foolishness and folly. Why would we have to do that? How do we do that? Can't we just go to the cross and get saved? The answer is unequivocally no. We cannot. The Bible does not teach that. Read Romans 10, 9, and 10. It will show you exactly where you're going to have to go. So here we are. And Paul is trying to train the church at Ephesus about how to know and follow Christ. And he says, you have to be raised together with him. Because if you're not raised together with him, you can never be seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We should be risen with him and the means to do it is identified for us in Ephesians, the last four verses of Ephesians chapter 1. But we will never be raised with him until we identify with his resurrection. As we move from the resurrection, now he can show us his riches of grace. Applied grace and appropriated faith, well, that's how we got saved. These are both the gifts of God. They both come by the gifts that are given to us in measure by Jesus Christ. We're going to see Paul tell us that in Ephesians chapter 4. Not of works lest any man should boast. Then he goes to verse 10 where he says this. We then come under. When is then? After we come through the resurrection and truth says, yes, grace has worked and grace gives us the bridge that crosses over in to the things that we need to seek that are above. We then come into the operation where he begins to manufacture himself in us. We have never been in Christ until we become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. God has called us into good works of which he has ordained us to walk in them and we have chosen to walk in the earthy. Remain at the cross. Make light of dying to the flesh. Never recognizing the necessity of being resurrected with him. And how truth engages with resurrection. And I'm going to show you that in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 11, but never forget, never forget this, he says, that you were a Gentile. Never forget that in you, resided the spirit of wrath 
that was working in you and living in you and leading you. So what was there that you once lived under, which he defined in verse 2 and 3 of Ephesians 2, you are responsible for keeping it under the work of the dominant spirit of which God has given you, which was equal to Jesus Christ. Oh my now. Come on with it, brother. Preach! Let me tell you. There's a word here. Paul is giving it to the Ephesians. And he's saying you need to understand what you were. And understand you're going to have to guard who you've become. In Ephesians 4, he's going to tell you do not give place to the devil. Now he says in verse 12, that one time because of who you were before you were quickened by the Holy Ghost, you were an absolute spiritual outcast because you were directed by the spirit of wrath and you were a member of the children who were disobedient and those had no hope had it not been for Christ. But now Christ has come and you have hope but never forget who you were. Be on guard, be on lookout, be aware. Then he says in verse 13, but the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ triggered grace. Grace was applied and you used the gift of faith and you got saved. What constituted being saved? If you then are risen with Christ, look back and I'll show it to you here. For by grace are you saved, for we are his workmanship. Wherefore remember in times past that at that time being aliens, um, now in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, we have come into Christ. The only way to get there is through righteousness. So now, we are in Christ Jesus. The blood has triggered grace. Faith has come on and you are saved. Again, refer to Romans 10, 9, and 10. Jesus Christ has made the way into being one with Himself and with the Godhead. There are now no boundaries that are going to divide us or keep us from Him as long as we continue to seek Him. Verse 15 Chapter 2, we become through his actions one new man. And because of it, we have peace. Now we've got to guard our peace. We've got to keep after our peace. We've got to be aware of what the devil is trying to do. What are we keeping peace from? The old nature of sin. The old actions associated with it. We know them far better than we know our spiritual self. We will revert to them far more quickly than we will go to spiritual things. Why? Because they are our natural side. But, Paul says, there's been a way made for you. There's been a grace given for you. 
And if you'll come into my righteousness, let me translate you into the kingdom of my dear son and seek the things that I have done for you. I'm going to make you far greater spiritually than you ever could have or would have been naturally. He said, actually, I'm going to make everything profit for you. So Paul says that old alien way. Don't forget it. Always remember it. But don't revert back to it. Don't go back to fits of anger. Don't go back to blaming spells. Don't go back to running off at the mouth. Don't go back to my way. Don't go back to the old way. Don't go back into things that you know are destructive to your spirit that are devastating to what the Holy Ghost is trying to do to bring you into the spirit of Christ. Don't go relearn things that you don't need to learn. I'm going to give you more on it as I go. The cross, of course, was the initiator because there he slew all the opposition that was against you. Peace became the result. Now through this journey of Jesus Christ, we can have peace because we can unify ourselves with Christ. He and we can be in each other. And we can also be one with the Father. You're no more who you were or what you were unless you're willing to go back to what you used to be and think and act and talk like you used to be. You can do that. But if you just come on to the resurrection and gain this righteousness and live in that righteous truth, He's going to translate you, my friend. You're no more who you were because if you follow him through his journey, you become a fellow citizen and a fellow saint and a member of the household of God. Your foundation now, look at verse 20. Your foundation, because of how you did it, is the exact same of the apostles and the prophets. And the exact same as Jesus Christ who is our cornerstone. What happens to us? We come into becoming the holy temple of the Lord. The Spirit builds you together through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to be the habitation of God. Now he says to preach this, I am set forth by Jesus Christ to help you Gentile men. He said a mouthful in these two chapters. He said a mouthful to preach this. We're starting chapter 3 now. He said to preach this, I have been set forth to tell you what you need to know to live for Christ and to warn you and to separate you and to cause you to be able to understand the power of which you are tapped into but also identify the nature of which you are leaving and recognize don't ever forget that nature because it is going to lurk everywhere you are. And it is going to try to draw you 
no matter where you are, into acting and operating under His command because we are all in a spiritual battle. Well, I'm going into chapter 3. But I'm going to stop right here because I do not want, I won't get to finish chapter 3. But this study of the book of Ephesians is beautiful because in the end of everything Paul tells the Ephesians, he tells them that they better guard against the wiles of the devil. I'm going to teach you every scripture in the book of Ephesians. And through it all, with all of the wonderful things Paul tells them, the end of the last chapter, he says, friends, I, I more or less can't state enough how you better be on guard because there is a structure in the demonic that is laying wait to lay hold on you. Now I've told you of the power of the Holy Spirit. I've told you that you were made alive in Him. I've told you about grace. I've told you about faith. I've told you about the resurrection. I've told you all of this and I'm going to tell you much more. I've also told you that Jesus Christ has power over all of it. But in order to get to it, you're going to have to come through the journey of Jesus Christ. In order to get there, you're going to have to come into the righteousness that is by Him. That righteousness is only associated with the place where you are made righteous by His works. He's going to show you how to eliminate the earthy side and to walk in a place that is bigger and deeper and greater and stronger than even things that you can ask or things that you could think about asking. And it's all going to be done by the power, glory to God, that worketh in us. That power that we can have control us and lead us and guide us into truth, show us things to come and give us words to answer at the moment when an answer is required. Oh, my friend, Paul has a message. But he concludes that message with a warning. And then with a message, a mechanism that you need to follow and understand. Now I'll give you a hint on that message. That message starts out with truth. The second part of that message is righteousness. Yeah, isn't that amazing? The third part of that message is peace. We'll never have truth until we come from the cross to the tomb to the resurrection. When we come out of the resurrection, truth, the justice of God will say, grace has done its job. My child has received 
what Jesus was made for him to be righteous. And you will be able to cross over from the earthy into the spiritual, become a citizen of the kingdom of his dear son and begin to seek those things that are above. And when you do, you're going to find out the meaning and the mechanisms to bring that the places that the devil tries to lay before you as temptations, as attacks, you're going to find out that you will be able to use the name of Jesus with privilege. And when you do, you'll take care of all of the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. You will not get there until you come by truth and righteousness. Our world is being tossed to and fro. Our people are struggling on every hand. I heard one of the major television preachers today stand up and say, I'm going to bear myself. I have these thought problems. I have this thought problem. My family has this thought problem. And I asked the question, when did the work of righteousness in the resurrection and the work of the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the privilege of using His name to cast down devils, speak with new tongues, any demonic attack from the outside will not hurt me, any demonic attack from the inside will not hurt me, and I will have the power to lay hands on anybody else who's under such an attack. And use that name. And the Lord would work. When did that quit operating? No, no, my friend. The reason it doesn't operate is because we don't want to go through the plan and the process of God. We don't want to follow and go where Jesus went and do what Jesus did. We don't even want to understand the process of salvation. But yet we want to live in peace. So we make up these three devastating doctrines. Free grace, free love, and free will. Free grace, you can live like you want to. So if you're under mental attack, don't worry about it. Grace has got you. Free love, God loves you too much. And no matter what the devil is attacking you with, don't worry about it. God loves you. And then free will. Now you've tried to make God as human as you are. My friend, my friend, my friend, study the Word. Listen to the Spirit of God. Know the Word of God. Live by the Word of God. Walk in the principles of the Spirit of God and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I've gone as far tonight as I can go and I'm actually over time. Father, I pray that you will minister into the hearts and lives of every hearer. I see so many wonderful friends on here tonight. And I pray that in their lives and in their ministry, as they preach this glorious gospel, of which their feet is shod with the preparation of peace, that they will preach it and that people will hear truth and that their lives will be changed. And they will be transformed and then translated to be a citizen of a new kingdom and seek those things that are above 
where they can take the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and use that name and manifest His works in this world. Bless us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you to all my Facebook friends. I see Linda Robert. I see Joey. I see James and Tammy and Sharon. God bless you all. We look forward to seeing you in the morning at 1030. God bless you. God bless you. Find Him as Lord and you'll be able to use His name. Find Him as the man in the Godhead. He'll show you great and mighty things that are to come. God bless you until we speak again.